Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. I'm your host, Vincent Chen, now making my second visit to the studio to the studio for today, this time joined by Dan Klein. Uh, we are pre-recording this episode, which will air Tuesday, May 23rd. Thanks for stopping by, Dan. So we're coming to you from the past. Exactly. We're talking about the future, so it's very confusing. Um, you had some issues getting getting to Full HQ this time around. I was three miles from the airport, about 45 minutes from my house, when my low-pressure light comes on. And being the responsible fellow I am, I decide I'll pull over to the right-hand lane. Boom! My right front tire just blows up. I have no idea what happened. Fortunately, AAA said they'd be there in 45 minutes. Two hours and 45 <laughs> minutes later, they showed up, missed my flight, uh, had to fly into a different airport, but did eventually get here, all for you. Dan, I was, I was giving you an opportunity there to say that you rolled up your sleeves yourself, <laughs> jacked the car up, changed the tire. Here's the sad thing. One, I couldn't have done that because I was on a highway with absolutely no room. Okay. But I could have been in a parking lot and I still couldn't have done that. <laughs> the, the guy from AAA asked me, he's like, do you have a spare? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, like I said, I have a trunk. Like There's a possibility. <laughs> All right. Well, regardless, I'm glad that you can make it. Uh, it's always really nice to have you in studio. Um Fools, our focus for this episode will be technology in the restaurant sector. But before we get into that, Dan, you cover a ton of wireless companies and the cable companies too. Uh, you cover them quite extensively. And last week, I spoke with Asit a little bit about the partnership that Comcast entered with Charter to unite their you know, very significant resources um, as they kind of get into the wireless business. And Xfinity Mobile from Comcast is expected to hit the market soon. What are your thoughts? I think it's from a, covering this. I space? think it's a major uphill battle. You know, it, on paper it makes sense. Just like when any of those companies, Comcast, any of the cable companies, decide to sell home alarms, there's the logic of they have the customer base, they already have an install force, <laughs> they have, but it never works that well because the reality is all Americans that want mobile phones have mobile phones. And while there is some churn, the four major wireless carriers are really well set up to bring your number over, to bribe you to make the change. So just because you're going to pay a little less, you know, you're going to get $5 back in credit or 10 or whatever it ends up works out being with the bundling. I just don't see too many people and while not all the details are out, these systems tend to be limited where like they it's just the iPhone. I think in this case it is just the iPhone so far. And consumers are used to choice. So I don't think it's necessarily going to be a failure in terms of Will it add you know, some bottom line for these companies for relatively little effort on their part? Mm-hmm. But I don't think this becomes the fifth wireless carrier that you know, gets up to you know, even you know, T-Mobile's at 70-something million homes. I'm, I'm guessing at that number now. But T-Mobile plus Sprint is right around where AT&T Verizon are. I don't think it becomes even a blip. On that, it'll be it'll be a few million people if they're lucky. Sure. And as far as I know, from what I could find out about the offering, um, you know, iPhones definitely the focus. But they mentioned a few other flagship devices will be available from th- from the competing uh, handset makers like Samsung. But don't you feel like just in terms of in sheer resources, like if there's any company that's going to try and get into the very competitive wireless space, Comcast, they're think, in a position where they kind of throw their weight around. I think a they bit. should buy Sprint. 
Like <laughs> there if, you go. <laughs> if you want to get into this space and you're Comcast, just get into the space and then like make a sprint movie and have a sprint ride at Universal Studios. <laughs> have uh, the the Can You Hear Me Now guy who uh, he, I think he says Now I'm talking or whatever it is. Sure. Have him in a TV series on NBC. Like I don't really get this sort of playing around the edges because Cablevision did this and when Cablevision did it, it was much more based on Wi-Fi and sort of being as cheap as possible in terms of using the airwaves, which is part of what Comcast and Charter is doing, but only part of it. And it was very incremental. It was for like parents that wanted a third phone for a child and didn't want to necessarily spend the real money. It's very hard to make people switch from something that works. Mm-hmm. And you know, I have T-Mobile. I'm not sure what you have. Uh, I have Straight Talk, which yeah. is essentially the AT&T. Similar service to this, in a way, you're kind of piggybacking off of a, a major carrier. Right. And I know that like I get better offers. Like Sprint and T-Mobile are like perpetually battling each other. If I'm happy, I'm not. Like you got to mail your phones back and go to a store, and like it, there's paperwork to fill out. Like it's not simple. And I'm not going to deal with that just to like give Cablevision more or to give, to give Charter more money. Like mm-hmm. I don't like Charter's still one of the least like companies out there. I don't think people are clamoring to do Along more with business. Comcast, no less. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they're they're going. Oh, I really want to give these guys a bigger chunk of my business. Okay, all right. Well, I wanted to get your first impressions on this, and once it launches and we have more information, maybe some uh, some uh, I guess firsthand experience from people who from subscribers. You know, we, we'll talk about it more. See if it's you know having any impact really for the business. Yeah, we'll launch. test it. My my mom lives in a in a Comcast fan home, so you know we'll 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 try to get a phone and see what it looks like. There you go. All right. So moving on uh, to our main topic, uh, we have restaurants and specifically within within this space, the role of technology. Um, I think for any fools who have been following the sector, you've seen in headlines at least recently, restaurants have struggled with some low traffic, uh, declining same store sales from you know maybe a period of overexpansion. Um, but I think. I was thinking about this in relation to these other industries that I've talked about today with you and earlier in the studio with Adam. The fact that you know department stores on the one hand, and then you know cable companies, they kind of face some existential threats, right? Uh, you have e-commerce on one hand, uh, you have various streaming internet alternatives on the other for the cable companies, and I think that in the restaurant industry it's interesting at least because you know fast casual might take share from quick service. Broad industry might see weakness due to excessive expansion, like in this case. But in the end, people have to eat. They love eating out, and as a result, I think the execution um, becomes really, a really, really clear differentiator between different chains. And there's not as much of an industry boogeyman that you can kind of pin your problems to. And on the flip side, you have these success stories, and some of the big trends that get cited for the restaurant industry include loyalty programs. You know, restaurants trying to source ingredients locally, and also there's technology and that's where we'll focus. And I think previously we spoke about how robots, for example, might eliminate the need for uh, human employees altogether. But a lot of the technology initiatives uh, that we'll talk about today, they seem to be kind of previews of how that might work. Well, I, I think if you look at some of the technology we're talking about, what you're really focusing on is restaurant sales overall are down a little bit. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, it's one or two percent. It's not anywhere near the retail, you know, drops change. Sure. But so you're looking, you're saying, okay, I'm Chipotle or McDonald's or whatever the chain is. How do I maximize my business? And what's worked, and it's worked for Starbucks and Panera, and we've talked about this before, is mobile ordering. And I think mobile ordering at Chipotle makes a ton of sense and will be a game changer. When I say game changer, I mean a 
two or three percent, you know, net sales gain. It's not, you know, it's not all of a sudden going to explode their business. Sure. But, but if you walk into a Chipotle and we've both done this, and there's like ten people in line ahead of you, <laughs> you yeah. might leave <laughs> because it's slow. So what a lot of Chipotle's have done is they've set up a second production line in the store, and if you order from the app, your food will be ready when you get there. And they're having all the same execution problems Starbucks had. The people at the front don't know where the order is. Have you paid? How do you handle it? Do you pick it up? But all that'll get sorted out. That's just you know growing pains and retail training, which is is not an easy thing to do. So I think at your higher end places like Chipotle that have big lines. That's actually going to allow them to serve more customers during peak hours. Mm -hmm. At a place like McDonald's, I think ultimately there's a gain in taking workers out of the equation. But in the short term, maybe there's some drive-through benefit to being able to order and pick up not going through the line. But in a McDonald's, I don't see as big a benefit when most things are not made to order and it's sort of a production line of even if you want a pretty special order, it's coming out quickly. So there's not really a major need to cut that. So McDonald's will gain eventually from technology, but in the short term, I think you're going to see some of your higher volume, fast casual places like Chipotle, as you've seen with Panera, really benefit from this technology. Yeah. And we're definitely still, I think, in the early stages of. Uh, you know the launch and the testing phases really for a lot of the companies that are dabbling toes in this. On the you know there are companies like Domino's which are like turning <laughs> this into an art essentially for themselves and really uh, juicing the results as a res- um, their uh, quarterly results, seeing tons of growth with the technology and how they've implemented it really well. Um, you know with Chipotle, you mentioned the second make line. I think they call it. They're calling it uh, smarter pickup times, and there are they've been able to, I guess, quantify some of the benefits in that this better management of their digital orders with their more accurate, they give them uh, more accurate estimates of when orders will be ready, and uh, in some of their testing, uh, they mentioned that digital order time, wait times decrease as much as fifty percent. You know, restaurant staff have better tools to essentially manage this channel, like you mentioned during the peak business times, which you know, if they can. If they have a bottleneck in terms of those peak hours, how many people they can serve, and this can alleviate some of that, that does flow through to their top and bottom lines. And, right? the, and there's a major customer service benefit. Like if you call Domino's, back in the old days when you called Domino's, <laughs> I'm sure your generation now, you're Snapchatting Domino's and then paying via Venmo. Exactly. <laughs> but, but back when you used to call Domino's, <laughs> if they told you your pizza was going to be an hour, you went, okay, my pizza's going to be in an hour. In an hour, if your pizza showed up, you're satisfied. So I was talking with you earlier, I use the Payway app. And the Payway app is pretty innovative in that you can completely customize any order. So if you want sweet and sour chicken with no sweet and sour sauce, hold the chicken, you can do that. <laughs> so, and you can put in what time you want to pick it up. And I was picking up, and it was maybe 5.20, so I just put in 5.40. That was about the distance from my house. And the app came back and said, your time has been adjusted to 5.50. And I went, okay. No problem. I'll leave 10 minutes later. Versus if I'd been at the store, waited in line, placed my order, I would have been there for 30 minutes. Wait, So it was an absolute benefit of my time, better customer service, and it will make me much more likely to go back. And I think that's where you're starting to see some of the value in these, especially in, you know, again, Payway is a higher end, fast casual concept that can take quite a while if there's a line. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked so far about. Uh, you know, Chipotle, uh, Payway, in your experience, and I think those are places where you know the food quality maybe up a tier. They're bringing in people. They're bringing in uh, you know plenty of customers in that regard. 
going to the more fast casual side where uh, I guess a company like McDonald's for example they the more fast out food side exper- yeah the fast food side bringing out their experience of the future they're dubbing it uh, Trying, testing with kiosks for ordering, uh, technology that allows their employees to bring food to your table side. Um, McDonald's management has cited that 500 million orders were lost to their direct fast food competitors in the past few years um, due to their issues that they faced. And the thing is, with McDonald's, you know they saw uh, quite a nice bump, at least relative to their more stable industry um, and their business. Due to all day breakfast, that has essentially dissipated. Do you think that this is, you know, technology in this regard can kind of help them uh, overcome some concerns that there always are in terms of food quality? Well, it's eventually going to help them overcome some costs, and that we've, sure. we've covered. In the short term, and we, we've talked about this personally, I'm not sure if we've talked about it on the show. If I walk into McDonald's and I want a Big Mac with no special sauce, with an extra slice of cheese, with four pickles, not three, and I try to tell that to the human being behind the counter who may be a college kid, may be a go-getter, super smart, they've been working at McDonald's for seven hours at that point. They don't care that I want four (laughs) pickles. That's very fair. So, if that goes into a kiosk, not only is there a much easier ability for the person, eventually robot, but person making that hamburger to get it right, and a record for if they don't get it right, for me to hand them a receipt that says this wasn't supposed to have ketchup, Mm -hmm. it was supposed to have. So I think you're going to see a subtle but important improvement, especially on drive-through, where there is nothing worse than you you order your 10-piece McNugget, your large fry, and you get home with your drive-through bag, and you open it up, and it's somebody else's Big Mac that you don't want. Sure. So I think this is going to eliminate a lot of that pain point, and that will absolutely have an impact on the bottom line, but it's not as direct as, boy, the line is long, now I can serve twice as many people. Yep. Okay, I will add, um, so in addition to McDonald's, uh, you know, Wendy's announced earlier, earlier this year that they would install kiosks in about 1,000 of their locations by the end of this year, um, and they've cited similar things that we talked about reducing labor costs, for example, but on the Panera side, Panera 2.0, um, something, some things management has said that I think uh, make it really interesting in terms of the the I guess lift in ticket size that you can get from these kiosks and stuff. Uh, you know, there is a quote from I don't know if it was a, uh, somebody in Panera management, but I found this uh, I found this quote that basically said people who order at a kiosk will generally spend about twice as long ordering with that kiosk than they do if they're speaking directly with a cashier. And what that ultimately means or leads to is more opportunities for upselling, right? Every single time you place an order for a salad, do you want to pair that with a soup? If you order a coffee, do you want to pair that with a donut? And then they are able to customize their orders and they ultimately get larger tickets. Domino's has spoken to this as well with their apps. Basically, uh, people upsell themselves when they're ordering a pizza. They add things to it if they wouldn't otherwise have ordered by the phone. And it, the phone. T- it takes away shame. <laughs> you know, like if I'm at Starbucks and, and there's a person, I'm going to be like, black coffee, room for cream. If I'm ordering on my own, I'm going to be like, I'll have a unicorn frappuccino with extra <laughs> chocolate chips. Could you grind up a pie in that? <laughs> like, you know, so I think there is a level where if I'm ordering Domino's, and I'm a person talking to a person, I might be like, I'll have a medium pizza with pepperoni, please. Sure. If I'm on my own, bacon, pepperoni, sausage, and put another pizza on that. There you go. So I do think you can <laughs> you, you you get into some impulse control issues. And I think there might be some technology 
ability going forward to manage calories and things like that in a way that like you'll still spend but you'll maybe not make the stupid decisions I just described. But yeah, absolutely. Like if you don't have to interact with another human being, you're going to order more. Like you might get that soda you'd be embarrassed to buy from a person or the dessert or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Yeah, I think uh Trying to quantify some of these things, some of the benefits that we see beyond just the labor costs, um, the larger ticket size, uh, the larger ticket sizes, the fact that people will order more, and you know the fact that if you order exactly what you want and you're not worried about it because you're on a kiosk, you're not worried about telling the cashier about all the different uh, customizations that you want to make, you'll enjoy the food more, and maybe that that leads to better loyalty to that chain or whatever business. It's it also be. about removing uncomfortableness. Like we've talked a lot about this, you know. We both like all sorts of different ethnic food. Mm-hmm. And if I'm an American and I've never had Thai or Korean or Japanese or whatever it is, and I walk in and it says whatever the local name, you know, it says Pad Siu, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, I don't know what that is. Sure. Like, is that chicken? Is that noodles? If it says Pad Siu, they're noodles with this and that and that, or or you know, it's a you know an empanada. Here's what an empanada is, and like it lays it out. Or if it's spicy and you're worried right, about that, and you, you want to remove it. the yep. spice or allergen concerns or whatever it is, the more of that you can make not embarrassing. You know, as someone who has a food allergy, I hate walking into a restaurant, and I have cousins that have very serious peanut allergies, so you have to make like a big deal out of it. Sure. If if that could just be something that I could automate and still know they were going to be safe and that thing were going to be done, it would make times I cook at home, times I go out to restaurants. Sure. Okay. So, you know, we have these kiosks and then we have uh, even beyond the mobile ordering, which obviously hopefully can help some of these restaurants during their peak hours, speed customers through, uh, increase their volume. You know, just uh, the idea of some of these tablets that Restaurants are also uh, outfitting some of the restaurants with, or some of their tables with, and this is more of like a sit-down experience, right? I lo- I love this. You know, they've been doing this at Chili's for quite a while. Yes, and, they and have. We it's went a good to example. a we went to Smoky Bones, a barbecue chain, this weekend, and the waitress was clearly harried. She had too many tables. She was very <laughs> stressed out, and the fact that I could, you know, order a drink. And it would show up, and it wouldn't be the waitress. It would be somebody else bringing it. And at the end of the night, I could pay and not have to request a check. It's just little things like that that make the experience. And look, you don't want that at like a nice steakhouse. You know, you're not going to drop two hundred dollars on dinner and check out on a Absolutely. tablet that you could play Space Invaders on. <laughs> but like that, what a bizarre game pick that was. Nobody <laughs> plays Space Invaders anymore. But at a at a restaurant, like my expectations that Chili's are not for fine dining. They're get me my baby back ribs and fries and get me out of there pretty quickly, bring me another drink. So it really eases the experience. And a lot of restaurants that have outfitted uh, their tables with these tablets have found that people are more likely to order um, you know, kind of like the ancillary items. Uh, Higher instances of customers ordering dessert, uh, coffee, other drinks, and that's those are all you know generally nice uh, margin boosters for those businesses. Well, th- there's a window. So if you're a restaurant, there is a period between the end of dinner and the feeling of fullness. <laughs> <laughs> when people will buy dessert, they often regret dessert by the time it shows up. That's why most restaurants have a to-go container for desserts you shouldn't have ordered. But, <laughs> but if the waitress is too busy or misses that window, or I would have had another beer if she got to me 
10 minutes into my meal, but at 20 minutes into the meal, I'm like, eh, I'm driving too soon or I, you know, maybe I don't need to spend this money. So th- there's an amazing ability to just give, to give me every impulse. If I'm sitting there and finish my gin and tonic and want another one, I just hit the button and there it comes. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I had that extra five minutes of reflection, maybe I would go, this is a bad idea. Okay. So, um, an overarching theme, I think, in terms of some of the tech that we've had, uh, eliminating maybe the need for an employee uh, or you know somebody to actually be the cashier, to be the server, or also maybe minimizing some of the inconsistency that you can get in terms of the service experience, right? I want to end the show, though, on a bit of irony. And you brought this up uh, you know, before we filmed. I thought it was really interesting. And some reports... That we have from people, uh, insiders in the fast food industry, uh, various, uh, rec- I guess, recruiters for these companies who are running into a lot of problems actually staffing restaurants, uh, you know, with, with and kind of reducing some of the turnover that they see, which is at record levels right now, and just keeping well trained employees there. Uh, Management team at Chipotle, for example, has spoken about how they lost sight of that service side, about uh, keeping restaurants clean, keeping the, the, the beverage and fountain machine clean, uh, napkins off tables, trash off tables. And uh, I just thought it was interesting that on the one hand, you know, if you look out 10, 15, 20 years, you have this idea that we're going to eliminate the need for these employees entirely. But right now, even as they're testing things like these kiosks, like these tablets, which help eliminate the need they're also running into issues keeping the restaurant staff because you know when the i think it's the median wage for a fast food work in this country 18 8 to 9 dollars per hour but you know Walmart just last year or maybe 2 years ago went to 10 went to 10 dollars across the country at across the their entire network of stores at the minimum uh, they're running into this competition across all of retail well and i think you're seeing a justification for the companies that invested in employees if you look at a Starbucks which has you know healthcare and the college benefit and their turnover is less and i worked in retail i ran a store just teaching someone all the procedures to run the register took months before they were good at it. Mm-hmm. So if you're integrating someone onto the line at Chipotle or you know working the fry later and knowing the procedural manual to clean the shake machine at McDonald's, which is horrifying, having my wife having worked there in college, <laughs> what like that's not ice cream. <laughs> but but there's a huge opportunity cost where you if you had been paying better all along, you might have actually been able to do it with less workers. And now you're seeing a bit of a hierarchy. If I am a worker at Dunkin' Donuts, I might be able to get hired at Starbucks, which will treat me better. If I'm a Taco Bell worker, maybe I can go to Chipotle or Starbucks. <laughs> or, and you're going to start see the bottom of the chain. You know, like During the last time we had a boom economy, my wife and I used to joke that you'd go to the Dunkin' Donuts and the, the people working there would just point. And then you wouldn't get what you wanted. But eventually, they'd get to something you like, and you would just take that anyway. Sure. And and you're gonna start to see real differences in service because you know, as a country, you can argue what full employment means, but on a technical basis, we're at full employment, meaning or right close to it, meaning that there is not a huge pool of people. You know, there might be lots of people looking for better jobs, but there's not a huge pool of people looking for entry level jobs. So you're gonna start to see more teenagers. You know, Starbucks doesn't hire a lot of 16-year-olds in in most markets, but you're probably going to see people like that. You know, younger people get some of these jobs, which can be good, but it's also a training issue. It's a scheduling issue because they can only work so many hours. They can't work during school. They can't work late at night. They, you know, you're 
this is going to be a major factor, and for successful chains, it's going to force automation. Yep. And we've talked before about how uh, ultimately labor costs for a lot of these major changes, you know, as much as 25-30% of their cost structure is there. So, it's it's just interesting trying to see them uh, commit to this balancing act that they have of of making sure that right now where they're not at the point where they can automate automate everything, uh, having their employees be trained well, making sure the customer serve the service experience is positive, keeping customers coming back. And I think if you're a worker, you know, I, I'm not 15 anymore, but I have a 13 year old child. And if and if he told me he wanted to be a manager someday of a of a restaurant chain, I would tell him to look at the ones that have a commitment to people. So Starbucks has endlessly said and proven that with automation, they're not looking to replace workers. They're looking to shift the labor flow into production. Meaning that there's always going to be an art to building a latte. Yes, you can go to Wawa and get a latte made by a machine and every, you know, but that's not the same as mm-hmm. one built by a person. So if Starbucks is saying, yeah, we may not have order takers who are people, but we're absolutely going to have customer service and baristas and product experts and we're going to put in these upscale bars and you'll be incentivized to learn more about coffee and do all this. Well, those are the chains that are going to attract whatever worker pool there is. And I think McDonald's is going to automate because it's a difficult job. It's, you know, there's there's some upward mobility, but it's still a hot, sweaty, unpleasant place to work for the most part. Mm-hmm. And you know it's all going to sort itself out as long as the economy stays strong. Okay. All right. Any final points, Dan? Before uh, we roll off here, I'm kind of hungry. <laughs> Where are we going? <laughs> We're thinking Shake Shack later. So. I would love that. Uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, thank you, fools, for tuning in. Uh, again, remember, you can always uh, reach out to Dan, me, the entire Industry Focus crew via Twitter at MF Industry Focus, or send any questions to industryfocus at fool.com. And don't forget, don't forget to check out our other podcasts at podcast.fool.com. People on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear during the program. Thank you.